my name is Zeke Freeman, and today I'll be reading Ruth 2. Wait. <coughs> Ruth chapter 2. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of, of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the, the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go find the, to the field and glean among the ears of, of grain, after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, go my daughter. So she set out and went, to, went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she had happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and, and he said to his reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to, to, his, young woman, the, to his young man, who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab, she said. Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young woman. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when, when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drunk. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of, her, of, of her, your husband has been fully told to me. And how, how you left your father and mother and your native land to come Come to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you may have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my, my Lord, for you, have, for you have comforted me and spoke kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And, all the, and at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reaper, and he passed to her a roasted grain. She ate until she was satisfied, and she had some leftover. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do, do not approach her, and also pull her out of some of the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So, so she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought, her, brought out what, she, what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today, and where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. She, so she told her mother, mother-in-law with whom she had worked and, and said, the name, the name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her, uh, the living or dead. Naomi said also to her, the man is a close relative of, of ours, one, one, of, one of our redeemer. And Ruth the, the Moabite said, besides, he said to me, you shall keep close to my young men until they have finished all my harvest. 
and with his young woman, lest, lest in another field he be assaulted. So she kept what, what close to the young woman of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley wheat and, har- and wheat harvest. And she lived with her mother-in-law. Well, good morning, guys. My name is Sean. I'm one of the elders. And uh, that was my son. Pretty jazzed about that. All right, we are going to go through Ruth 2 together today. But first, I'm going to pray for us. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to see the faithfulness of your followers and its impact on others. Father, help us to learn from your word, to be made more like Jesus from reading it. Help us to love others well. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Ruth 2, we are introduced to Boaz. So there's a lot of options that I could have gone with. Um, And I'm going to say, the week before Valentine's Day, it feels like we are set up for a win. We have potentially the optimal biblical meet-cute of any (laughs) rom-com that you can imagine. So we've got Boaz enters the scene. He leaps off his glorious steed. He looks out to Ruth in the fields in all of her radiant beauty. He says to his guy, who's that? (laughs) She looks up, coy smile here. Roll credits. I mean, like, it's, it's done for. I think that would be great. Um, if the Bible were just like one dimensional and we had like zero story leading up to this. But I don't, I mean, I, I, I enjoy my fair share of rom-coms. I won't deny that, but I prefer an origin story. Like, like as a nerd, I love every superhero origin story ever and their alternatives. So when I read anything or I meet a person, like I am just building your origin story. So if you're ever like, how did you remember that? I'll be like, it was, ha, I'm a nerd. And so I remember these things when you tell me that. And so we're looking at this and we get to Boaz, but I think there's a lot we can build on. So my main thesis of the entire thing, of all that we're going to talk about, is that one of the many ways God blesses people is through the acts of his faithful followers. And as we read through this whole story, we get to see what happens through the faithful obedience of Boaz and also Ruth. But I'm spending most of my time on Boaz in this case. Um, And then we're going to talk about some of the ways that that works for us. So just in the beginning here. Now, Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. Hey, hey. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. Okay. So I've now said a word over and over again that I don't think we have much context for. Maybe we do, but I don't. This very morning, when I asked somebody to read for me, I was like, you should uh, read it in advance. And so he did. And then he said, what does glean mean? And I was like, that's a good question. 
What does glean mean? Because I don't think we have a current cultural context for that. Like, so, gleaning, and we're going to read the exact location it came from, but gleaning was people working in a field, they're going to drop stuff. You're not going to get everything. And so people who needed additional support, they they didn't have land, they didn't have food, particularly the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, were allotted to be able to come along and pick up the grain that fell. I don't think we have a good context for that right now. Uh, I thought through several things, but no good analogy here. That just existed. And so when you read something, you're like, where did that come from? And I'll tell you, God thought of that idea. And clearly, it was implemented here. So... I'll tell you where to go to find it. If you hop back to Deuteronomy 24, you can do it, you can not do it, I'm going to read it to you, it's going to be great. So Deuteronomy 24, 19 through 22 says, when you reap your harvest in in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over them again. It shall be the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not strip it afterward. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command you to do this. So, it was God who invented this option. And he invented it to take care of the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. It turns out we have somebody who fits this bill very nicely as the main character of our story. But what also goes with it is like, I think when it comes to Old Testament law, we're, we're all jazzed on like arguing over the minutia. You know, like we want to use it to be like tattoos or piercings. Yes, no. You know, I don't know. Not a fight I want to have. But nobody's ever like, Take care of the fatherless, the widow, and the, the foreigner. Like, that's a thing we should fight for. And that's in there. Throughout all of the Old Testament law, there are so many laws that go back to over and over and over again, taking care of people. Like, you know, we're all familiar with the eye for an eye. That's, that doesn't exist to be like, an eye must go for an eye. It was a cap. It was like, go this far and no further. Because I don't know if we've all... We're all familiar with the concept of revenge, particularly cinema. We'll go with that one. Nobody's ever like, I'm just going to match it. It's always like, I got to go beyond. And God in his law was like, okay, you're going to do it wrong. So I'm like, Jesus even articulates. These laws are for you because we kn- God knew you're going to get it wrong. So we have God's word that says, take care of the foreigner. Take care of the fatherless. Take care of the widow. Take care of those who need to be taken care of. Um, And so, next, we get to meet Boaz. Uh, And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, hold on, let's let's just take a moment on that. Let's give some context for Boaz here. So, Boaz, we know a few things. One, he is related to Elimelech. He lives in the same exact location that Elimelech lived in. Not like same exact, like, but same town, Bethlehem. 
And we know he has land. We also know, based on a few other things, that he cares a lot about people. At this, I would not anticipate he was that kind, because like, this, at this point in the story, he's ruthless. Anyhow, <laughs> just keeping you with me. I actually got Crystal to laugh at that the other day, and so I was like, I'm keeping it. <laughs> she was like, I didn't see that coming, and I was like, I didn't see your laugh coming, so whatever, that's a win. So Boaz, he also, he went through famine while he had land, and he remained. So like, one of the things that, that you could go to here and be like, see, look at this, Boaz is faithful, so he has land, and he has servants, and he's got it all going for him. And yet, clearly there was a time in which Boaz had land and servants and none of that going for him. He had food, or he had land making no food and servants who were eating no food and he wanted to take care of them. And we see that because he has even instituted policies for him, his employees that when he shows up and he sees a young woman working in his field, he doesn't say, get her out of here. He says, who's that? And his employee says to him, his employee, his servant says to him, Oh, that's, so I talked to her, had a conversation. This is, that's who she is. And he tells her, tells him all about her. So he's already said it's okay for his people to allow gleaners on their land. But if we're going to take a step further back, not only does does the story include in Ruth 1.1 that there was a famine that Boaz would have encountered, but this is also in the time of the judges. I don't know if you guys have spent a lot of time in the book of Judges, but if you're going to read the book of Judges, like it is one of those books that helps you see that the Old Testament is about the faithfulness of God, and it is not a big morality tale waiting to be told. Like Everybody gets it wrong. The, the chapters begin and end with, and they again did evil in the sight of the Lord, and everyone went the way they wanted to. So this is the context in which Boaz is living. So it's not like this picturesque, you know, Christian movie where he hops off and he blesses his people and they send it right on back and that doesn't stand out in the crowd. He was in a place that had already been destroyed by famine, but had also been destroyed by the uh, the Malachites, uh, yeah, and the Midianites. Like last week, Dan said that they think this this section takes place in uh, Judges six, and so that's what's happening in Judges six. It says like. The Midianites and the Amalekites, they would camp out around people's land. They'd come in, and they would raid and take all of their stuff. So Boaz has land and servants that he's taking care of. This isn't like an easy thing for him to do. I would say we have some good understanding of what it's like to live in a town that perhaps was one at one time great. Hannibal was and is no longer, and has much potential. I love Hannibal, but also, it's, it's not always great. And it would be shocking to see somebody walk into their building and say what he says, to say, the Lord be with you. And all of his employees say back, the Lord bless you. What kind of culture are we talking about here that he does that? When everybody's doing their own thing, Boaz is not. He is implemented so many helpful things. And so, uh, behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, 
The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she's continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. I don't know if you got, so gleaning is, we've already talked about, she's like picking up the scraps in, in a field. I can't imagine one looks or feels good if they've been doing that all day. So like, again, I would like to remove that he was like, who's that lady? Like he was like, who, who is this? She is just taking from us. But then he continues to give. Um, then Boaz said to Ruth, now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or, or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink, uh, and drink what the young men have drawn. So he's like going beyond saying, oh, she can be here. Like, you're welcome here. I don't think that there's anything else going on. Like, he hears what she did, and we find that out. Like, he knows who she is. He knows what she's done. Um, but he also is now giving her water. He's giving her food. He's giving her protection. He has been in such a situation where he has needed water and protection and food, and now he is giving that to others. Like, she's not the only benefactor here. All of his employees are also receiving this, all of his servants. I, I'm just stuck with saying employees because I want to think of it the way that we would think of it, not just like, you know. So... Um, then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? I think that's a fitting response. Like, he comes over and he's like, Hey, I want to take care of you. Like, it's more than just like, like it's, I think it's above and beyond in this context for somebody to be like, You can pick, pick up the scraps of my land. But he's also like, Hey, the water we draw, that's yours too. You're, you're welcome to it. And then later, he's like, join us for lunch. At this point, he is giving and getting nothing in return. I believe that all of the wonderful things we see in Boaz, we also see far more and far better in Jesus. But Boaz answered her. And I love, I love this answer. Because he's not like, because I'm a good dude. Or, well, because it looks like you needed it. He says, um, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given you by the Lord, uh, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. So she's like, why me? And he's like, why not? You're just, look, at all, look at all you did. And then he pronounces a blessing over her, and then he offers her lunch. It turns out those go together. He wanted her to be blessed, and he was the vehicle in which she was blessed because God had given him good, and he wanted to also give good. 
Like, so then, uh, then obviously, then, then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And I think, I think so often, like, I think it's important to think about, like, all the difficulties Boaz would have gone through in thinking about caring for his servants and caring for his land in protecting all of those um, in light of that, because we know that in Second Corinthians it says uh, that God that God allows us to comfort others because of the comfort that He's given us. Like when we have experienced a thing, we are then equipped to help others through that. Um, like, which I was shocked at this opportunity. I don't know how I felt about it, but my best friend, one of my best friends from high school called me the other day and he was like, hey, my mom just died. And it was out of nowhere. He was just like, so he was like, you're the only person I know who knows that. And I was like, is it wrong to be glad that I can be here right now? I don't think so. I don't like what got me here, but I'm sure glad that God is giving me the opportunity to provide that comfort and understanding to somebody because I was there and I did not like it. And so like, we see that Boaz, he has been without and he sees somebody who is sacrificing so much and he's, she, she's working all day and he's taking care of her. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsels in the wine. Like, she is only reaping benefit here. She's not offering anything. She is exclusively taking from him. She took his water. If she took water, that means fewer people get water. She took food. She takes so much that she has leftovers. Bold move. And then she brings some of those leftovers Home to Naomi. I noticed that today when Zeke was reading it. Um, so she sat beside the reapers, uh, and he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles for her, and leave of her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So continuing to go above and beyond... So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. Okay, one of the tough things in trying to find out how much is how much is, I used the Google, and I was like, what does that look like? And I got a lot of different answers, but I'm going to say, like a five-gallon bucket she ended up with. Pretty impressive stuff. That's some hard work and some generosity. I mean, if you're, if, if your product is grain, and somebody comes along and walks away with a big old bucket of grain, you're like, wow, that's a lot that you just took from me. And yet he's like, you can have that. Um, and she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. That's pretty nice. She, again, Ruth had experienced hunger. She is looking out for Naomi. She takes care of her. She's like, I had leftovers. I brought them for you. Crystal regularly does that for me. I never do that for her. <laughs> I'm a remorseless eating machine. And her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today? And where have you worked? 
Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she, took, so she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. So I think Tim or Daniel are probably going to spend a lot of time on that. So I don't want to steal their thunder, but I'm going to take a little time and point out. So when Elimelech would have left his land, he would have sold some of that. And then now that he's back, this is an opportunity for his redeemer to buy back that land that was sold. But it wasn't, that would have been at cost to that person, which is important for later and some of the discussions that go with that. Um, yeah, besides, oh, uh, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, besides, he said to me, you shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it's good, my daughter, that you go out with, with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. Again, judges. So this is a scary concept. Like, just because, like, gleaning in a field did not mean that you were going to be safe. At this time, clearly did not mean you were going to be safe. And Boaz says, come here, you will be safe. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest. And she lived with her mother-in-law. There was another one. I couldn't figure out, like, the end of the barley harvest and the wheat harvest. Clearly, we're, we're looking at, at minimum, several weeks. I don't know. I don't know, like, try to figure out when those things were. Got a lot of different answers. But I'm going to say, this, in my mind, Ruth is, like, a couple of days, but it's not. Like, it wasn't just like Boaz was like, hey, let's make all of this happen. It was a process, and she continued to work in his fields for, at minimum, weeks. I don't know if it was more. Okay, so I have pointed out, like, my main thesis is that one of the many ways that God blesses people is through the acts of his faithful followers. And I think that we have seen that over and over again. Like, Boaz's policies for his, his field is based off of Deuteronomy 24, 19 through 22. He is faithful to what God has told him to do. When he greets others, he greets them with a blessing, and they reciprocate. So what, is, what do we do with that? How does, how does this apply? Like, I think if I ignore the amazing bridge of all of this to point out that Jesus is far better and gives us so much with absolutely nothing in return, like, I, I would have failed if I don't spend time on that. But I also want to spend time on what this means for us, and I want to point out some of the ways that we already see it. So the first thing that I think is important for us is that we need to establish roots and I think we have and we do. Boaz's success begins with he established roots where he was. He was committed to the land. He was committed to the people. He was committed to staying there. Clearly, 
He never went anywhere, even when everybody was leaving. The second thing is that as we are establishing our roots, we need to be nourished by the word. The overflow of Boaz's love of God shows in everything he does here. Like, we can have knowledge, but I would say knowledge without action is a demonstration of a lack of knowledge. Like, if you are, you know, if you're diabetic and you're eating tons of sugar and somebody's like, isn't that poison for you? And you're like, I know. I do nothing you know. Appropriate knowledge results in appropriate action. And Boaz has, has taken God's word and hidden it down deep. And then I think the third part that we need is margin. So clearly we see in Boaz's story, he created margin and room for others. I think so much of the current uh, climate is like, like it, it puts us at the center. It makes it so that the most, the best thing you can do with your time is maximize it. The best thing you can do with yourself is to be completely optimized. Like you should break down and know what you're doing every minute of every day. And if you don't, you have failed and you will pay. And yet, I don't know if that's entirely appropriate. I mean, if you want to break it down, then you, sh you need to build in some of that margin. And I think that, that we have such a, a wonderful example of that. He could have people come to his field and take that at cost to him, knowing that it's okay. We are able to give of ourselves knowing who has given to us. We can trust in Jesus and so we can generously give of ourselves to, to the gleaners, to those who, who are on the margins. I see that regularly in the lives of the people here. I would say here, uh, on any given Sunday, we do have several precious little gleaners at minimum that run around. But now their names have our last names. And they just hang out with our kids. But they were the fatherless. I would say one of the easy ways we can do this, if I were to give a hierarchy of how we conduct ourselves at a, as a church, would be when we have a guest, and I'm sorry, guests, but I'm unleashing this today. If we have a guest, that's the first person we talk to, the first person we introduce ourselves to. And then if we have people who are on the fringe, and I think we're familiar with people on the fringe, we need to go talk to the people on the fringe. And then, kids, this was Dallas Willard's idea, but I love him. And so, kids, like we want our kids to make their faith their own and not just ours. I don't want just Kids Connect faith. I don't want just youth group faith. We want our kids to be part of our church. And so, yes, they are now in Kids Connect, but we are also working to integrate them into the body as a whole. And Kids Connect is to help them to build relationships to get to know us. And then after that, 
yeah, hang out with your MC. I'm not saying at any point that loving the people you love is wrong. But if we put on the back of our shirts that we're welcoming others to the hope that we have in Jesus, I would hope that at no point we can be accused of not welcoming those who have entered our doors without giving them the hope we have in Jesus. I think these are, that is some of the simplest, most actionable things. And then beyond that, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in Hannibal that, that you can get involved in. There's a lot of people that you can connect with. If you want to hang out with kids who need steady adults in their lives, I can connect you with some people who can get you connected with that. Those are some very simple, very basic things, and a lot of it is just time and consistency. You know, just the basics. Show up, ask questions, don't quit. That's my advice for like everything. Starting something new, I'm like, yeah, you want to learn? Show up, ask questions, don't quit. If you want to make an impact on our community that has, has gone through hard times, that has rough neighborhoods, that has kids without fathers, that has kids without men around, and moms who don't care. Like, we can have that impact on people. And that will be a blessing to others from God through us, and we get to be a part of that. Like, Boaz says that he wants blessing for Ruth, and then he follows through. But he doesn't credit himself with that. We don't need to be self-congratulatory and be like, I did it. So my main thesis for the thing that I want to wrap up with is this. Is my encouragement to us is that we should plant roots and let them be nourished by the word and as a result of that, create shade that others could rest under. That's what I want for us as a church. It's what I want for us as people. And I believe that we get to see this so well in this text of how others can be blessed through us. So I'm going to pray for us. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for my friends who love you well and love others well and have done so much to take care of so many. Thank you that they are a blessing to the world. Help us to continue in that vein. Help us to point others to Jesus. Help us to meet needs. Help us to love well.